audio. Hey everybody, it's Mark Houston and Andy Young from My First Podcast. And today is we it are... my first podcast or no, my first let's concert? Let's try that again. No, let's let's keep it uh, rolling. Keep that I, I want to keep it. Yeah. Damn it! Why does every mistake I make you want to leave in the intro? Because it's just. I don't know. Feels we, good to you somehow, want, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I want people to see that you're a human and not this radio deity. Uh, all right. My first concert is, is what we're doing this week, and, and we're finally getting into the realm of real music on this uh, on this show. Andy has, has, has run it through the rock filter this entire time, and... I'm ready for a little country. Can have we do really? that? I, I, I think so. Guests, you know, a lot of them have been rock, but... They all have been. All? The, all of them. The only one that, uh, you know, was kind of on my side a little bit was uh, Craig from uh, The Monument, oh, because sure. they, they do the country shows, so it's about well, my turn. I mean, Dr. Schaefer was kind of a... He wore, he wore a lot of hats. That's 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 true, but not, not, not country enough. The, the cowboy hat he wore wasn't big enough, okay. okay? So today, we're finally talking with somebody in my area of expertise... Sure. John Shaw is his name. Uh, he's a producer. He's a session musician. He's a touring musician. Uh, everybody from Jason Aldean to Ronnie Millsap. But he got his roots with the Delta Saints of all bands. How about that? I still have to are go they, listen now, to those what, guys. Are they a country? What are they? I, I don't know. You just introduced me oh, to okay. them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you, we just had this conversation okay. before the I'm intro. Sorry. All right. Uh, John Shaw, welcome to my first concert. you as well mark uh i'm the the director of programming up here uh for all of our radio stations i've been i, I told andy i said before we started i said it's finally nice that we're getting somebody on here that's going to talk about real damn music i've been a country programmer for 31 years <laughs> and i'm sick of talking this rock <laughs> bullshit i want to talk country music a little bit all right <laughs> Man, it's cold. <laughs> that sounds good to me Good. You know, I was thinking you two have probably been in the same room together and not known it because you've been on tour with a bunch of acts. You've probably been through Rapid before, haven't you? Uh, Yeah, quite a bit. Um, And, you know, and on, I I mean, we may have met years ago, like when I was on a radio tour with somebody too, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure we probably have. Yeah. It is. It's crazy how small, I mean, really the the you know the world can be especially when it comes to country music it's i'm i'm i've always that's what drew me to the whole thing was just that uh that intimacy that it brings i think more than almost any other form of music i think that's true i think you know there's a vulnerability in an honest song and and when and both as a listener and a creator you know there's a vulnerability there and when a when somebody really gets into a song, it's because in country, it's because it speaks to them uh, and it speaks to their life story and, and people bond over that and then they share it. Well, joining us on this podcast right now is, is John Shaw, a guitar player. You're a songwriter, you're a producer and your, your, your stable uh, that you have played with is, is impressive as hell. When Andy sent me over the, the, the email, I'm looking at the list, you know, looking at Brad Paisley and Jason Aldean and Ronnie Millsap and Laney Wilson and Mo Pitney. And I mean, this just goes on and on and on. And it's amazing, man. That's an impressive list of people that you've got a chance to work with. Oh, man, it's been I've been super fortunate. I've been I've been really blessed since I've been here in town, you know, and and everything from, you know, really long stints like uh, I was 
you know, I was with Josh Turner for seven years um, to, you know, some of those are, are really cool. Uh, you know, we do a lot of benefits and, and house band things here in Nashville where somebody like, you know, you might play with, with Laney and, you know, Haley Witters and uh, Chris Young on three consecutive songs in the same night, which is totally wild and, and super fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been really blessed to, to play with a lot of great folks, you know, either either working directly for them or, or in some cool circumstance I get thrown into where I, uh, I get to make music with people that are just otherworldly amazing. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about your 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 background then, John. Um, you uh, were born and raised in Alabama. I was I was born and raised mostly in Alabama. Um, we moved uh, we moved up to Pennsylvania when I was thirteen, and then over jogged over to Wisconsin when I was sixteen, and then I came down to Nashville uh, when I was eighteen uh, and did the whole Belmont thing and off to the races and that's, then been here ever since. So. That's that's amazing. Going from um, you know a southern background to an east coast background to a Midwest background. Um, I, I could see where maybe some of the that 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 love of 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 country could maybe come from. Sure, um, it, it's funny, you know the the country scene, as you know, in the Midwest is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, you know, having lived all three of those regions, like I almost think there's more of a fever for it there than there is even in the South, uh, kind of where it's, you know, quote unquote from just cause it's just good working class people, farming people, you know, and, and, uh, they love to go to show on the weekends, you know, and it, it's just a, it's a nice little environment, you know, and, and every time we go, you know, every time I go to the Midwest on tour, you know, so there's a, there's always just ravenous, rabid fans there. They're always hungry to hear good music and, and, uh, it's great. So. Did you hear that, Andy? He said they're always hungry to hear good music. Yeah, right, so I that's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like all kinds of music. I, my heart's in country, but I do I do like all kinds of music for sure. Well, then I got to bust Andy a little bit. I mean, he's obviously you know uh, Andy with with Judd, who's you know you're, you're an incredible guitar player. You're you're you have been influenced by I'm assuming all kinds of artists as Absolutely. well. You're not just oh yeah. Oh yeah, there's tons of country influence in like what we're doing and in, in mm-hmm. my playing for sure. Just because that's where all the players are, you know. Mm-hmm. Just ton, just tons and tons. Like John, I mean, <laughs> just a beast. <laughs> so, so do you have a is is your is your you family kind of musically oriented, John? Is that where you you kind of picked up on some of this, or how you know how where did you discover that? Man, man I love this. It's such a it's such an interesting path because. Um, So my mom plays piano and sings, uh, and she's fantastic. She, uh, you know, she played in church a lot. She never, she never really made a career out of it, but she could have. Um, and, uh, so I was, I guess I was around that growing up a lot and, um, and then just exposed to, my dad wasn't musical, but he had great musical taste. So there were always good records around. There was, you know, everything from, you know, old bluegrass, flat and scruggs to uh, the Beach Boys with all those great harmonies. And that's kind of where I got my ear for that. And and to this day, I love putting big, lush vocal harmonies on a record because of that influence. Um, and I, I didn't really, I kind of resisted the, hey, you're going to play an instrument thing for a long time. And when I was in eighth grade, I had to learn guitar for a music appreciation class. And it just kind of bit me 
in an, you know, in a lasting way where I, I wanted to stick with it. And at that point, uh, my uncle who I just always knew he played guitar. I didn't know anything about guitars, but I just knew he had this room in his house that was full of them. Um, and I came down here uh, to Nashville on spring break, and he he lives about an hour away in Huntsville, Alabama. And he came and picked me up, and he just started throwing the book at me. Like, this is what these guitars sound like. This is a difference in a Telecaster and a Strat and a Les Paul. This is what these amps sound like. And by the way, here's all these records you should be listening to and trying to learn. <laughs> And it was just like a crash course. And he kind of never quit until I got to a certain point. And he was like, okay, I think I can let him figure it out now from here. Find his next. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I've got him to thank in a lot of ways for like really laying the brickwork, you know, as far as my influences and everything. Um, And then I had a really, I had a really good friend in high school in Pennsylvania when we moved up there that he was just a few years ahead of me and he was listening to all the same stuff. And it was one of those, like, you know, we're going to jam and he's going to kick my butt and then kind of show me how he did it, you know, oh, nice. <laughs> kind of yeah. things. And I've just had a series of good mentors, man. And, and, and it just kind of kept the fire lit long enough that I, I parlayed it into some sort of a career. And, uh, as long as I can keep fooling everybody that I know <laughs> what I'm doing, I, uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's the majority of the industry. In that's, that's what we're all doing, I think. <laughs> so so John, do you remember do you remember that first moment you uh went into a studio or you you're what what did 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 you tour first or did you were you were, were you a studio musician first? Um that's complicated. I was actually in a rock band first. Um Oh wow. Band, the tables have uh, turned, Houston. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know what? That band probably would have done a lot better if we'd have tried to be a country band. Uh, And just in terms of like the way it sounded, uh, like it was very rootsy. It kind of sounded like uh, like Blackberry Smoke. Kind of it was that kind of a vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like it was like right on the edge of that Americana country, you know, dirty blues rock thing. It was a really, it was a wonderful band. I was really fortunate to be asked to be a part of it. And I was in that band uh, kind of through college. And I was doing some live stuff and some studio stuff. I went, I went to school at Belmont, and, and there's a you know, pretty robust recording program there. That that's kind of what I was a part of. And uh, so we were in the studio a lot, and I was kind of you know, learning a lot of what not to do <laughs> um, there. But um, in terms of just it being a safe place for me to make all my mistakes that would have gotten me blacklisted. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, uh, I got in this band, the Delta Saints there, um, and we made a record with uh, our buddy Jay Hall, who Andy knows very well. Um, and then that was, that, I guess that was kind of the first time I'd done a record, not with like fellow students. It's the first time I'd been exposed mm-hmm. to like that level of intensity and professionalism. Were those guys all Jay Belmont guys too? Or? All, they were, they were uh, all the saints guys were, uh, were Belmont along alongside me. And so we made a record. My, it, it ended up being my senior year at Belmont that we made this, this EP and with jay 
And at that point, like Jay and I just kind of hit it off and we, he started having me play on other records. Um, but I was actively touring with the saints full time as well. So it was kind of the, the answer to your question is kind of both. And then it's been that way ever since where like, I've always, I've always kind of had something going on studio wise. Uh, like I've always, I've always just kind of interplayed back and forth between sometimes I'm busy on the road. Sometimes I'm busy here and it just always seems to work out. So it's, it's always been 50, 50, 70, 30, 60, 40, whatever, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the mix is at any given time. So who was your, who was that moment, that first nervous moment for you? Uh, when you were like, Oh, Oh my God, this is who I'm going to be playing with. Oh my gosh. Uh, all of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the, uh, I've had a few, you know, I tend to, uh, I tend to, I guess the first one that really like freaked me out as, as far as like the stature of someone that I looked up to growing up was actually when I was still at Belmont, um, they do these things and it's a per genre thing that they they call showcases and it's not like a label showcase it's like internal to belmont and it's basically a competition uh of like and they'll do rock showcase country showcase ccm showcase blah 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 and then the winners of that all those showcases do one at the end of the year called best of the best and the saints won rock showcase so like we're we go do best of the best and we were closing out the night because rock showcase just does that it didn't have it wasn't merit based it's just rock showcase was planning on closing out the night and they were honoring vince gill that night and uh because he's he's pretty involved at belmont and i just i worshiped that guy growing up man like he's on any given day he's probably my favorite country guitar player and also has this like golden voice and amazing songs. Right. And uh, so Vince is on the bill and they're honoring him and he's going to play a song right before we go on. And I was like protesting. I was like, I can't do it. I can't go on. After, I can't follow Vince. Gill. I can't do it. Don't make me. Um, and then I had, a, you know, there's been a few others. I, I also really grew up uh, kind of semi obsessed with Brad Paisley. And he was, he kind of had a lot to do with the fact that I ended up in, in Nashville. Uh, I read this guitar player, vintage guitar or something interview one time and he talked about Belmont and I had no clue what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to college, but he talked about, you know, the recording program and the fact that they're just giving you free studio time and major studios, you know, so you can go figure it out basically. (laughs) And I thought, well, now that sounds like a good time. (laughs) <laughs> that that I could do, you know, and and uh, so I just always looked up to him and, and what he did and what he represented. And uh, I was playing with a with an artist named Kristen Kelly, who was touring with Brad in 2012. And he threw this like mid tour party one time and he and I ended up nerding out on cigars, which turned into nerding out on gear, which turned into like he invited me to soundcheck to like demo some of his gear. I'm like freaking out because I'm like, this is this dude, you know, and and then he like lays on me. He's like, uh, hey, I'm going to go sit in your box, sit in with your boss today. Like, I'm going to play, you know, I want to play a couple songs during her set. So he ended up playing with us that night because he does that, you know, it's kind of a good, you know, goodwill thing. Right. Like, uh, and to ha- and he just loves to play guitar. So. And so I remember going back to Kristen's bus and, and saying, hey, boss, like, 
you're you're either gonna love me or kill me for what I just what just happened. But you know, Brad's sitting in tonight, and you know, of course, she was overjoyed. Overjoyed. But then I'm thinking, oh well, you know, now I now I have to walk on stage with Brad. I'm just like, I'm gonna give him as much room to be Brad Paisley as oh, I can. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit and play rhythm and smile you know so speaking of that i've you know i a lot of people that listen to the radio and have their favorite artists you know vince gill brad paisley i keith urban i think would be another one Mm -hmm. thrown in there they don't truly realize what incredible guitar players uh these artists are do you have um do you have like like singer singer guitar player favorites i mean who would you like top three who would you put out there like artists that play yeah right country artists that Mm -hmm. play yeah um, you know, I'd say Vince is still the top for me, uh, in that regard, um, kind of a, you know, a different, he's not really straight ahead country, not even country at all, really he comes out of rock world, but the guy that I think just always plays the perfect thing and is also a great artist in his own right is Mark Knopfler. Oh, uh, of course. Dire Straits, uh, you know, and his, that record he made with Emmylou Harris, the, all the road running is just, it may be close to perfect. I, I think it might be the the perfect record. He's kind of like the quintessential uh, like strat player that inspires all strat players, you know. Like John Mayer's trying to be Mark Knopfler that's, right that's now, right. you know. Sure, and and I love John Mayer too. Uh, that one's kind of obvious, like everybody who doesn't. But um, and then you know Hunter Hayes is great. Uh, Hunter's a great player. Uh, but if I had to pick a third one. I'd have to go with Charlie Worsham. Oh, wow. He might be he might be my favorite, you know, young artist that does all of his own guitar heavy lifting. Um I I just think, you know, I think the world of him, I think everything he does is just musically super valid and super cool. Uh that last EP he put out the sugarcane thing with uh, you know, Jay Joyce produced and everything Jay touches turns to gold in my opinion you know the little big town stuff and the ashley mm-hmm. mcbride and uh so yeah that that uh i, I love charlie i, I just I, I think the world of him well all right it's i want to awesome. i want to ask a, a stupid question all right you'd think for as long as i've been in this business i would know the answers to some of these things but now that i have somebody that's that's on this side of it to ask this so <clears throat> i felt so stupid when i i mean let's 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 just preface this by saying that you know this was decades ago so it's not like super recent uh so you've gotten a lot smarter is what you're trying <laughs> yeah, that's to what i'm trying to say right time. yes sure. uh you know a lot of people don't understand that when they go out on tour and see a band playing in a lot of instances outside of the lead singer that band is not the, the band in the studio that's making the actual albums in 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 in, in sure. a lot of cases and i've that that blew my mind when i thought well wait a minute you you mean you weren't playing that? No, you know the session musician plays, and we go out on the road. We're the band, and then we do it. Is is uh, right? Is that is that? I don't know what the question is. Maybe I just wanted to show my ignorance in this podcast once again uh, that I wasn't quite sure. Uh, but that's just, that's very interesting to me. And why why don't uh, in some instances or you know whatever the the percentage is why why doesn't the band play in the studio too? Well, think about the lifestyles, first of well, all. Like, the, There's a total different lifestyle between being a studio guy and then being a road dog that's... Well, and John, you know you're I mean? on both ends of it, yeah. though. You're a tour and a studio guy, so you have to have some insight into that. Sh- sure, it, sure. So it mainly, you know, I would say that it has the most to do with the fact that uh, 
pretty like scenes are are there's little like micro scenes within the general Nashville music scene and um people just kind of find their people and you always want to use like when I'm producing a record I always want to use the same five guys on it uh and they're verse and some you know I might have two drummers that I'll use and if it needs to be more vintage rock vibes I'll use this guy and if it needs to be more pop oriented you know I'll use this guy but for the most part you want to hire people that you that are known to you and that maybe you came up with in a different context before you're making records uh, and you really trust because time is money and studio time is expensive. And in Nashville, we tend to work pretty fast. Um, you know, an older, an older record that, you know, is like LA based, say like, you know, think of a masterpiece record like hotel California. I think the production schedule was like 71 weeks on that record. <laughs> you know, they spent a year and a half on it. Um, and in Nashville, we make records, you know, in a week, you know, we make EPs in a day and a half. Uh, you know, you do, and that's, that's kind of taking time. I, I tend to be on the, on the more methodical side of things where I like to spend time and make things, you know, flesh things out in a more than first instincts kind of way. But a lot of the sessions I play on, you know, we're cutting five songs in a three hour session and they're done. Uh, so you've got to know that your guys that you hire can pull that off, you know, and whatever your schedule is. So it's a lot of the fact that like, so you know, say I worked for Josh Turner for a long time. Uh, he, at uh, most of the time that I worked for him, he was using Frank Rogers to produce his records, who did all the Paisley stuff, all the Darius stuff too. And Frank's just got a, a bevy of guys that he trusts and loves and he, he knows can pull that vibe off. You know, it's it was Brent Rowan and JT Cornfloss on electric, Brian Sutton on acoustic, uh, Aubrey Haney played most of the fiddle, uh, Jeff King played some of the electric and baritone, uh, Shannon Forrest on drums, uh, and Kevin Grant on bass. And he just, he was using that crew all the time. And are, are those, them. are um, those the guys that go out on tour with them then too? No. So like I, the band was, you know, I was playing all those JT Cornfloss parts. Oh, live, okay. Uh, which was, great for me because i got to really dig in and learn them you know not just note for note but like all the texture of it and everything Mm -hmm. it's a great learning experience but uh in other cases like i'll i've played on artist records that you know i've never toured with i i was on a ronnie Millsap record a few years ago and i i never toured with ronnie you know i just i got in with the guy that was producing it um you know we worked on some other stuff and then he trusted me to be on the record so I'd say it mostly has to do with that trust of, you know, the producer that that artist chooses to use or their label picks for them or whatever. They're just going to have their guys. Sometimes I'm one of the guys for artists that never I never play with live, and, and sometimes I play with artists live that I'm not one of the guys for the studio. So Well, and that's just, okay, here's another interesting. this So the, the studio session, those musicians, they're playing. Uh, and, and, and that's the song that everybody hears when it comes on the radio. And then you go out on tour with this sure. artist, you, mm-hmm. but, but, but is there ever that moment where you're like, okay, I'm playing with these guys in the studio play. This is what's on the album. But do you ever get to add your sure. own flair to it? You know, it just depends on the gig. Um, you know, I went, uh, I played with Ashley Monroe for a couple of years. Well, for a couple of tours, it was two tours in non-consecutive years. Uh, she was, it was album promotion. And, you know, Ashley always wanted me to play 
it wanted wanted it to be recognizable, but my take on it. Oh, okay. Uh, and I've gone and subbed with Ashley with Ashley McBride, and that's kind of the same vibe. And uh, the artist I play with now, Sarah Evans, she uh, there are very signature things that she wants to hear about the record. And then there are moments in like transitions or or other you know moments where it's not as signature where you know she does kind of allow a little bit more uh, leeway. So some of it's note for note and some of it's not. Um, and then you know when I was with Josh Turner, it was note for note. Uh, it, he exactly liked the record in at every juncture. That's just what he wanted to hear. So I think it boils down to what your boss wants. Uh, so there are moments you know, where, with, where the vibe they create. I'm sorry. Uh, there there are moments when you're in the studio and you've you've you're you're the first to play on the song. You're 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 kind of you know the one. Right. Um, and then there are moments when you're just you're you're repeating what other people uh, have already put together. Do you do you do you have a preference for which one you you enjoy more? Which way it goes? I, that's what I was just about to say. I said I think there's validity to both approaches. You know, I think, I think if I, I love creating and I love being in the studio and making records, and I love whatever level of improvisation is is encouraged in a live setting too. Um, I do think that there's a lot of uh, validity to at least making, you know, some parts are so signature on a record. And as a, as a guy that plays on records, if I'm really proud of a sig lick, like I would hope that it sticks around in the live version. Right. You know, if I'm proud of an intro or an outro or sometimes even a solo, uh, I would really hope that, you know, there's some attempt to recreate that if it's great. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I, I think there's a, I think there's a validity to trust in your players and, and, and letting them have some semblance of being able to play themselves. But ultimately it's all about the audience for the boss. And for us, you know, if you're playing on a live gig, uh, you've got to assume your boss knows their audience and what they want to hear and what's going to get, be the best show for them. And your job, you're in the service business. Even in the studio, you're in the service business. Uh, your job is always to make that artist comfortable and make them be able to do the best show they can. So I so come, I come from like I'm the rock world. An artist live. I was like, go ahead, go ahead. There's a little bit of leg there. Sorry. Go no. Well, oh no, it's all good. I was just gonna say, if, if I'm supporting an artist live, I just I I'm I'm there to do a job. I'm there to to I'm having fun. No matter if it's play the record or not, uh, I'm having fun. But my my job is to make them happy, and and that can be said in the studio too. You know, sometimes sometimes the hundred note solo is not the thing. Sometimes <laughs> they just want you to play the melody, and sometimes that's exactly the right thing to do. For sure. So, so I was saying that, like, I come from the rock world where it's like I'm in a rock band. So what I'm putting down in the studio, I'm also going to be playing live. You know what I mean? And Sure. I, ha I have this moment and I was wondering if you have the same moment, you know, if you're recording something in the studio is where I put something down in the studio where I'm like real comfortable and like there's no distractions or elements and I'll record something and I'll listen back. And I'm like, fuck, I got to do that live every night. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to pull that off. <laughs> yeah. So man. do you, do you ever, do you ever put something um, down where you're just like, Oh God, whoever has to play this every night is not going to be happy. <laughs> Well, man, I, you know, that tends to happen a lot with, with Jay, actually, because yeah. he, and, and you'll be able to speak to this, like, 
there's sometimes, you know, there's a lot of times when I'm on a session where I feel the need to, you know, you don't want to hold everybody up. You don't want to sit there and go down a rabbit hole on a part. Um, so like you're not phoning it in, but you're, you're playing something that's a little on the safe side, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the pace or whatever. And then there's times where you are comfortable and you've been made to feel that way and you're, you're encouraged to maybe go down that rabbit hole and you end up, and Jay's just a pro at that. Uh, I, I try to foster that in myself as a producer and Jay's the, maybe the best I've ever seen. Uh, but that ability to like make you so comfortable that you might play something that's like above and your and beyond your ability. Like you didn't know what you could do. Um, yeah. Until, until the opportunity was there. That's happened to me a million times with Jay where I've like, been on the drive home listening to like a rough bounce of something we just did and been like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, where did that influence yeah. even come from? Like you, that doesn't sound like anything that you've listened to before that's influenced you to play like that. That's, that's right. And so you just end up with, I think it's just a comfort and confidence thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you end up in that situation where you just feel great. And so you can just play whatever. And ultimately that's where you want to be every time you're recording if possible. Uh, and that's kind of the headspace I try to put myself in. But I did, I remember, uh, you know, when we were working on Brian Lowry's record, uh, you know, doing a lot of, a lot of stuff that was just like, we were on a very, like, I wasn't putting necessarily a stylistic personality to any particular guitar part. It was just whatever served the song the best, which is ultimately that's the job, right? Um, but like it ended up being B bender on one song and slide on another and then like flat pick acoustic on one. And so it was like, well, you know, eventually you're going to have to hire a guy that can do all that, (laughs) Uh, which they exist, they exist, but you know, and then, you know, Jay and I, sometimes we, uh, we kind of take a little pride in, and I, I do this on my own too, on my productions, but there's always a little bit of pride in kind of creating a guitar part that can't sometimes can't physically be played mm-hmm. either because it's a screwed up tuning or uh you know it's two parts that sound like one or four parts that sound like one we've got so uh, many of those on the record where too. jay will just st- stack octaves and octaves and octaves on top of each other and it's just like that's a gigantic sound that one guitar player cannot make <laughs> you know right and i i tend sometimes to like i a lot of times when I'm creating a part on a record, you know, it's a melody in my, if it's, especially if it's a signature thing, it's oftentimes a melody in my head first before I don't just sit there and, you know, guitar vomit. Um, and sometimes that's like, well, I need to drop my high E to a D and then I need to raise my G string to an A. And you just, it works in the context of playing and then it's capo too. So it's like it works in the context of playing a part, but good luck reproducing it because like that tuning's not even practical. Like, <laughs> right. Other than that one, gonna, other than that gonna, one chord voicing, that that's the only time you want to use it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's always fun. That's always the uh, stump stump the Hoover has has to learn this moment. <laughs> well, John, uh, the you know the kind of the whole point of this podcast for Andy and I was to. To, to talk to all of these people from all kinds of different musical backgrounds, you know, from educators to to uh, mm-hmm. to, to people like you, to um, people that run, you know, event centers. And the, the interesting question for me is always that moment when you realized. 
that first song, that first concert, that moment where you stood there and you were like, yep, this is it. This is what I want to do. Do you have a defining moment like that, John? I kind of do, and you're not going to like that it's not a country song, but uh, a country moment. I've, I've uh, been full of country right but, now. I'm so happy, John, I can't stand it. So go ahead. <laughs> I uh, I actually went to go see, you know, my, my, first, my first actual concert was back in the day. My first several actually were uh, Tracy Lawrence. Um, but I wasn't playing an instrument at that time. And, uh, I just, I, I enjoyed it for some reason. It just clicked, you know, my dad liked country music, so I was exposed to a lot of it and something about what he was doing just really, you know, took a hold with me, but I was actually, I'd gone to see, uh, with my parents, I'd gone to see uh, Sticks, Ario Speedwagon, and Journey. It was the, this triple bill wow. show they were doing, and there was something about uh, Dave Amato, the guitar player for Ario. There was just something about it, like the tones, the guitars that he was using, everything. Just it just worked. You know, he's playing a lot of slide, and I, I was really into the Allman Brothers at the time, and uh, so that was kind of clicking. All of it. All of it was just clicking with me and, and the music. And uh, he had these big stacks of Marshalls behind him. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, yep. oh, yeah. And uh, and uh, I just, for some reason, it just it just clicked. And then I, I kind of got to uh, researching him as a, like, as a person and his history as a player and kind of how, because he's not the original guitar player in that band. It was a guy named Gary Richrath uh, originally. And uh, kind of how he got that gig uh was they they kind of got in a bind i think he was i want to say he was playing with like white snake or ted nugent or something like that <laughs> at the time and they got in a bind and needed a guitar player and he like flew out and had all the material perfect on the first gig and all this stuff and i was like man that's cool like you gotta be it you gotta be billy badass to do that you right know? and uh and i thought man that's that's awesome like i wonder you know that sounds like a fun career is like being the guy that like people can just always count on. And, uh, and then it, there were, there were a ton of influence you mentioned music educators and like my teachers had a lot to do with pushing me kind of over the edge. Cause you know, my parents were very supportive, but they were my parents. I think they would have supported me if I wanted to, you know, be a archeologist or a sure. you know, right. fireman or whatever, you know, <laughs> Um, they, so you kind of like, I was kind of always looking for that voice that was objective to tell me, Hey, I could do this. And I had a couple of teachers, David Winkler and, and Bill Hill in Wisconsin that did, they just kind of shoved me out of the nest and let me, you know, believe that I could do anything. But I just always had that, the thing about the Dave Amato thing just stuck. Like I always had that working man's mentality of like the best version of this in my book is going and being the guy people can count on to go nail it. And to this day, you know, I'm I'm on a I'm on a regular gig at any given time and and doing session stuff, but like one of my favorite calls to get and I I do this quite a bit is hey, you know, our guitar player is whatever, you know, sick or it's been happening a lot with the whole covid thing, you know, um we need you know, we need a guy to hop on the bus tonight and do this 90 minute show tomorrow. And I, I love doing that work because I think it traces back to my original like research on Dave. Yeah. 
It's like you're you're out, the like, guy. That's how you got the gig. That's how I, you know that was my first gig with Josh was was unrehearsed. Uh, they'd been through a lot of guys. They let they let a guy go. You know, can you be on the bus next week? And then the next thing I know, it's like, hey, you passed the audition. Well, I didn't know it was an audition. You know? <laughs> um, it's it's so, a, it's interesting to think uh, that there are that there are you know blue collar musicians out there. Uh, you know that that you you you. I mean, to me, that that seems like a great description for what you do. I've always considered this a blue collar job, um, you know, from both the live and the and the recording side of it, because, you know, ultimately I'm in the service business. Um, I've I've got to like I said, it doesn't there's not a whole lot of difference between playing between the ethos of hey we're playing this live gig this is what the boss wants versus you're playing on this record this is what the bosses want you just have more bosses because usually there's a producer and an artist kind of they both have a you know the artist is going to have a vision for the song and and the producer is going to have a vision for the song and in an ideal world it's the same vision but like andy you know full well sometimes it's not right uh You know, sometimes you go in, you go in with two different ideas and sometimes they merge and sometimes you pick one. Um, But it's all, it's all in the context of, of making somebody, somebody else's uh, show or record the best it can be. And the second you come into it with ego or like you're the artiste, uh, then you got problems. You know, you're going to have problems, especially in Nashville. So I, I've always considered a very blue collar, like service oriented profession. And, and I, that's kind of what I love about it. That's awesome. Uh, John, if, if you're ever through here again, I mean, I hope you are at some point with one of these artists, uh, you know, playing up here, we got to sit sure. down and, and go have a whiskey somewhere and, and uh, continue this. Cause this is a lot love of fun. I love that, Mark. Absolutely. <laughs> we, got, we got a cigar yeah, shop right down the street too. We do. Yeah. We've, we're, we're surrounded by whiskey uh, and cigars. You, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. John, like this it. is, this has been a lot of fun talking to you, man. I really appreciate this. Uh, you know, and, uh, well, thanks so much for having me guys. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Next time I'm down, down your way too, we'll, we'll have to hook up. Give me a holler, man. You got my number. Let's do it. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Thanks Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of My First Concert. I am Mark Houston. I am the host and producer of the show. It's engineered by Chris Jaquez, and all the audio and visual work is done by our own Russ Haddon. My First Concert is on the Home Slice Audio Network, and if you like what you heard, a great review is always appreciated.